Mm. Like someone starts screaming out, good morning, Vietnam. That's right. That's the whole idea of a podcast. It's, uh, it's basically a radio station. But rather than having to be all <clears throat> over, over melodramatic and stuff this like that and be like, change. ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to the Crystal Journey podcast. We can have a normal conversation. It's, uh, it's like people are eavesdropping in on us just having a discussion, as I was saying. That way it feels more organic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, freaksy, what am I saying? Of course, I try to make it all theatrical because that's just the kind of person I am. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, legendary people around the world, welcome to the Crystal Journey podcast. And you are in for a treat today. We have... Have, we have a very enlightened, intelligent brother in the house, Daniel. Daniel, how are you doing? Very fun. You probably wouldn't have guessed because we don't have the video running today, but Daniel is only 13 years old, and every time, I think I've spoken to you um, just a few times, I think I met you, well, about a year ago, yeah. Christmas, yeah, Christmas that's right, and you blew me away with just your understanding about so many different issues going on in the world, and I'm like... What is are, are kids your age usually like that? I don't think so. Cause you're yeah. You, and look, you don't have to be modest about it. But do you find that most of the kids that you speak to at school they don't have the same interests that you have and whatnot? Yeah, it's um. I'm kind of considered the oddball at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, people find it annoying, like in class, how I've always got the answers to everything. Yeah, yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, you will find that Daniel is uh, is quite the quite the Renaissance man. Every time I speak to this guy, I can't believe I'm speaking to a 13-year-old. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on, on this podcast. Uh, you know, I usually interview people that are either in the entertainment industry or they're a bit on the intellectual kind of uh, nerdy side. But you, my brother, you're only 13 and you are on that side. And uh, I think it's be, it's going to be very interesting hearing your perspective on, on the world, looking at the world through the eyes of a 13-year-old that is still uh, very much um, aware, very mature, and like a very grown-up sense. Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, I'm going to get this show on the road. We're going to have a short podcast and uh, yeah, gain an insight into the world from the eyes of this uh, 13-year-old legendary soul brother up here. Boom shakalaka. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes... Boom, so here we are. Daniel Sun, my brother. How you doing? Fun. That's good to hear. So you were only 13 years old. What, you're year eight, year seven? Uh, year nine next year. You're nine next year. And you have a oh, pretty... I mean this year, I should this say. This year? Okay, yeah, exactly, man. This is 2015, Two everyone. Years. Welcome. Second <laughs> of January right now. Wow, I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to making this a very big year. And uh, what was I saying? Yeah, you have quite a wide, um, well, not so much a, a wide array of interests. Everyone has different interests, but the fact that your interests seem to be uh, with things that most 13-year-old kids don't usually have interest in. Um, how did you get into all the, the stuff that you're into, like interest in technology, psychology, and um, all this, well, this stuff? It's been a lot to do with um, like reading encyclopedias, um, Re reading encyclopedia. How does how does a thirteen year old kid get into reading encyclopedias? Well, it's kind of a uh, thirst knowledge. Just if you got nothing to do in your spare time, if you want to like expand your borders, always like go on the internet. Just find like videos with facts, like mm -hmm. top fifty amazing facts to blow your mind. Like this guy on um, YouTube. His name is Matthew Santoro. He does a. Um, okay top 10 facts um, for different topics every week and his uh, videos are quite interesting because you get to hear um, 
things which you probably would never hear. Like um, mm-hmm. last this week's fact was um, he did a top ten fifty amazing facts and ended up that. Have you heard of the um, country singer Dolly Patterson? Of course, man. It's funny you mention her. I love her. Well, her cover of the song Jolene. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs. But go um, on, brother. She actually went into a lookalike contest for herself, mm-hmm. and she lost to a drag queen. Okay. So it was kind of a wow. You lost in a contest of looking like yourself. So it's kind of saying, yes, how this is how people look at you. People look at you as a drag queen. And not as a normal everyday person, so yeah, kind of just doing stuff in my spare time that if I'm not playing video games, listening mm-hmm. to music, or um, reading books in per- in general, um, just you know browsing around the internet. It's fascinating, man, that you have this uh, thirst for knowledge. I mean, from such a young age, is that something that you've always had, or you just recently just fell into that? Um, I've had it for quite a while now. Um. I was always kind of um, like listening to the news and what, and it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a bigger world outside of ours. We kind of need to consider everyone that is outside our world. So, kind of saying, yes, we're here, we're the free country, but let's think about the other people out there and let's maybe understand their cultural differences towards ours that make certain things for them acceptable and certain things for us unacceptable. Absolutely, man. That's a very, uh, what I would call a higher consciousness mindset. You know, like, I found, whereas when I was a kid, I, I definitely wasn't as interested in all such a wide array of different topics like you are, but I definitely had a profound sense of compassion towards, well, life, particularly animals, and I, I definitely um, made the decision to change my attitudes, you know, from a young age, probably around the age of 10, 9, and I found that just the way that people generally go about their life you know, wanting to, let's say, get a nine-to-five job, wanting to uh, just the, the, the normal path to, uh, to life. It just didn't seem like something that I wanted to, to go down. And I've always been very different as far as what I wanted to achieve, as far as what I wanted to get out of life. And I feel like a lot of people complacent just um, living a life of mediocrity. They don't seem to have that thirst to actually either want to be something or to want to learn as much as they can. And I, I feel like I'm guessing, obviously, you've kind of had that, definitely that thirst for knowledge from a young age. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know you're really interested in technology, because that's like one of my major interests as well. I wanted to hear your perspective and what you think um, the world is going to be like in the next 10, 20 years. Because as you know, obviously, we're moving pretty fast at the moment. And I, I remember I brought up a guy by the name of Ray Kurzweil to you last time, and he's called the Singularity Man. He believes that within the next, I think specifically, it's 2029. We're going to reach a point called the technological singularity where the, the rate of technology is increasing so fast right now that it's, it's increasing exponentially. So when you look at things exponentially, they, things become very, very uh, big, very, very fast. And the whole idea is where is the last, uh, let's say, 50 years has gone pretty damn fast on the technological level. The next five years is going to go even faster if you look at it in, in proportion. And... By the time we hit 2029, things are going to be exploding at such a rate that unless, of course, um, I quote this, or at least I paraphrase, you've augmented your human uh, mind with technology, you're not going to be able to assimilate the rate at which the technology increases. You're not going to really be able to grasp how fast things are moving unless 
you've somehow augmented your mind with technology. But in short, it's the idea that we're going to reach a point where we're going to have artificial intelligence and the, uh, yeah, the, the dawn of some pretty crazy science fiction stuff. So do, do you think a lot of that stuff is possible? What do you see in the world in the um, next 20 years? Well, I certainly agree on you, um, with you. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a game called um, Day of X Human Revolution, mm -hmm. and it's a prequel to the, to the other games, but it's um, set in a period where bionic limbs are a lot less cumbersome than we have now, mm -hmm. but there's also a faction of people which are purists, which say, no, this is wrong, la la yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, can I just get, I'm just going to get you to push that microphone just a bit closer up yeah. to you, so we can get you real nice and close, alright? Yeah, so, um, it's, it's kind of saying, it's kind of giving you a standpoint of where do you want to be, because very soon you're going to be on one side, you're either going to be human, completely human, yeah. or have bits of robotic in you, and mm. like, um, Cyborg. Fact. <laughs> yeah. But um, if you look at medical science, we've come a long way from having just um, if you lose your arm, you can have like a fake arm. But now we're getting to the point that bionic limbs are becoming biological. More, um, yeah, becoming more um, usable in an everyday standpoint than what they probably used to be. Like if you wanted to. Take someone's arm, mm -hmm. put a bionic limb on them. Yes, you would be attached with cords, but think about what's in about five, ten years. He's probably going to be able to walk around with that thing without any wires whatsoever, just doing his everyday business. And you might even have like a fake kind of skin, so mm -hmm. you might not even notice exactly. that he has a fake arm, but he does. But here's the thing. I mean, you say that um, you may not even notice it, right? But it's gonna it's gonna reach a point where there isn't gonna be any difference. I mean, it's gonna be part of their DNA. Yeah. I mean, they're they can actually grow parts of your body now. Yeah. They can use stem cells and and grow uh, limbs. They can grow. I think they uh, the the larynx, the certain parts of your body. It's incredible the kind of stuff that they can do. And I mean, even if we, we say that we're not there yet, like you can't actually grow parts of your body, if you reach a point where you can't really tell the difference, and people that have these artificial implements, they're, they have such a greater advantage. I mean, you, you think of someone like uh, Pretorius, he was that sprinter yeah. you know, who recently got in trouble uh, uh, yeah, with some kind of case with his wife. But the point being that the fact that this guy had an edge by running, I mean, a lot of people would argue that he, he was actually faster because of that... Um, that uh, artificial leg, um, with his prosthetic, yeah, prosthetic leg. That was the word I was looking for. I, I think it's quite foreseeable that people are going to start injuring themselves intentionally, like maybe yeah. cutting off their legs just so that they can get these these artificial prosthetic legs. I mean, if that's the only way that you can get them, yeah. and you're an athlete and you want to get that edge, it's kind of like taking drugs. You're taking risks, but you're obviously going to take that risk if it's going to give you that edge. Yeah. So it's an interesting, uh, just an interesting idea that. A lot of people, I think, are going to start, yeah, sacrificing their biological cells to get these cybernetic implants. Like, there's another work of fiction. Um, mm -hmm. It has, uh, it's a war between two kind of um, factions. We've got mm -hmm. the humans, and we've got these genetically altered humans, which are called um, coordinators. Okay. And um, the reason how they all came to be is that they are genetically um, enhanced during the embryonic stage of the development so they're faster stronger have better reflexes can learn things faster mm -hmm. um they are and 
there's one person that uh, in the coordinated group says that coordinators are the next evolution of humanity. If we cannot kill off naturals, it's holding off the evolution of, of humanity. Mm. And yes, it's kind of, meh, you're in that kind of um, saying yes, mm. but then you also have the other group of saying, coordinators are a mistake that shouldn't have happened, this is wrong, mm -hmm. and it's a whole war about it, but there's always a conflicting idea of the ways that they try and kill off one another, yeah, yeah. whether they're ethical or not. And oh, yeah. no, no, this is this is a really important point because this is a common theme in history. I mean, not even over the last. I mean, maybe, when was the Second World War? Like the thirties, uh, forties? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of Hitler was he was trying to get rid of the what he considered to be the inferior race. Yeah. And they had this whole program, the, uh, the eugenics program, I think they called it, where they had this idea that if you had certain features, or your Blonde your parents, yeah, had certain had done certain things, then obviously it was going to mean that the the, the kids were going to be likely to do certain things. So just the whole idea of trying to get rid of people because you deem them to have certain characteristics that are not in line with evolving the species, that is a very common thing that has been very prevalent throughout history. And it's it's something that, we, um, that we've that we definitely come across in a lot of sci-fi, like that whole theme of, let's say, artificial intelligence. Like you have a look at Skynet, the idea yeah. of having... Um, uh, some some form of sentient life that is so advanced, so much so intelligent that it would seem crazy for it not to want to evolve by getting rid of all the lower class yes. things out there like humans and uh, focusing on allowing the the more uh, the more developed the more yeah, yeah species obviously the artificial intelligence to to flourish. So it's it's a crazy idea, but it seems um, it seems like it's a lot more likely the more that you look at history and you you look at the possibilities of the future and uh, so I mean outside of technology brother um, I know I remember uh, speaking to you about like some other stuff like the, the realm of psychology and things yeah. like that what what's your outlook on on humans as far as uh, what we're capable of like do you think that the the future is going to lead to a lot more destruction? Do you think that we're evolving, we're getting better on a moral level? Or do you think it's just part of who we are and our nature to want to hurt people and eventually just self-destruct? What's your outlook on that? Well, I think that topic, it's a, um, it's kind of, it's an interesting topic to look at because if you look at history, mm -hmm. um, the like evolution of humanity in a, in a sense, um, there's always been a certain kind of um, mentality mm -hmm. to that. So, like, um, uh, this is going to be really hard to explain. No, I'm, um, I'm, take your time, man. I'm curious to hear your perspective. Like, Sigmund Freud, um, he had a, a theory of um, um, psychodynamics. Psychodynamics, okay. Which is um, the theory of attachment and um, attachment to things and someone and a argument to that was humanistic theory so humanistic theory was about improving yourself being better than you are now mm -hmm. and like what we were talking about bionics it's kind of the um, physical representation of humanistic theory wanting to be better than we are now mm -hmm. but 
in that pursuit, I feel like if we push ourselves too far, we will lose our humanity on doing that. We will not be what we are today and be something completely different now. If we really want to advance humanity, yes, we can push our, um, our bodies to the limit, but we also have to be true to ourselves. Yeah. We can't lose our way because we want to be better than the last guy. That's a good point because to me, it's almost like you're, it's like a, a competition between um, compassion uh, or... Look, what I'm trying to say is without a doubt, you can make a lot of changes towards the, the, the human psychology. Uh, like, let's say, taking away uh, empathy, all right? That a lot of people would argue is going to make you more evolved by being able to survive more. Yep. By, for instance, there's a lot to be said for sociopaths. I mean, the, they, I've read a lot of studies showing how in certain difficult environmental uh, situations, the sociopath would be the per like the the next stage because yeah. he doesn't have to suffer from all the the guilt that is yeah. that is that normal people are ridden with. Therefore, when he does something that's necessary for survival, like killing someone, obviously he's able to continue going on and flourish, and he's not racked by the pain of it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people would would make the argument that if you could genetically modify the species to take away these things like empathy, it's going to lead to a, a this what was the phrase that Sigmund Freud used like a the whole realm of like. Um, that was psycho. Uh, uh, psych oh, oh, that's sorry. Um, that. that was the camera which we're not using. <laughs> Let, you can just leave that. Um, um, I think it was psycho. Not well, whatever it's called. The point is that it, it was is, based on um, sex and violence. Um, the basis for sex and violence. Okay, but what I'm saying is that by you can make the argument that um, if you're simply trying to evolve the species as far as making it more making the species more survivable then you're going to do everything that you can to, to do that, even compromising the, the compassion and things which are not necessarily going to make you better as far as more survivable, but are, yeah, they're actually, what I'm trying to say is that there's a, there's a cost to doing that. I mean, you're going to lose this, uh, this aspect of being human, which is still highly important, this, this compassion, this empathy. And is that really being a better person? I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's not better as far as um, being more survival, but yeah. it's, I think, being the kind of person that actually cares, actually is, is devoted towards the, uh, the development of your people around you, that there's something to be said for that. That's obviously worth looking at as well. Well, someone told me once that if you can't feel, mm -hmm. you're not human. If you can't feel other people's emotions, if you can't even feel yourself, mm -hmm. then you've kind of put this boundary between are you human or not anymore? Because once you can't feel for anyone else mm -hmm. or yourself, you kind of have to ask the question, what am I doing with my life? Is it worth living? Because without feelings in this world, because think about it. If, for instance, if you're a very impulsive person, mm -hmm. you're going to go directly to what you feel. Yeah. But if you're a very um, logical person, you're going to think about logic. Yeah. But it comes down to a situation where the two sides will have to swap and think maybe logically or impulsively. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could see the smile on my face right now. This kid is only 13 years old, and he's dropping the salient knowledge about how profound is this kid. But uh, no, keep, keep going, man. That's, that's fascinating as frack. So basically, you're saying that once you lose the ability to feel, to empathize for other people, you lose what it means to be human. Human, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. Uh, I, I recently came across a meme that, uh, if, if memory serves me, it said there's nothing uglier than a human without compassion 
and I really believe that. Like the as soon as you lose the ability to empathize, to feel other people's pain as if it, your pain as if it was your, was your own, then yeah, it may be saving you from all the guilt and all the the, the frustration uh, that comes from doing bad stuff. But it's making you it's making you something which is the antithesis of well what it means to be a, a good person or a living being from my eyes. And uh, I think that's a, that's a slippery slope towards uh, like nothingness, you know. I mean, what's the point of life if you're you're Can't only feel. yeah you're only concerned with yourself and you? I mean, one of the beauties of like actually rising in anything, like going about life and achieving things, is seeing the people around you uh, rise as well and being able to help the people in your circle of influence. And as soon as you take that away, as soon as you isolate yourself, um, it becomes a pretty sad existence. Yeah, man. So, um, Daniel, Daniel, um, are you reading any interesting books at the moment? Because every time I speak to you about books, you're always, I mean, you mentioned a while ago that you're, you're, you're trying to get your dad to buy you a, a Kindle book at the moment. Yeah. I'm like, out of all the things a 13-year-old could be trying to get his dad to buy him, you want a book from Kindle. Yeah. What is it about? What book? Do you want to talk about what book it is that you want to read at the moment? Um, well, I've got two books I'd like to read. Um, mm -hmm. Stephen Hawking, A Theory About Everything, and um, Brave New World. Okay. We'll start off with the uh, Stephen, Hawk Stephen Hawkins book. Um, what was it? A theory of everything. Think, yeah, that's the uh, the idea of finding the unifying theory, right? It's a theory that's supposed to unify um, all of the the major concepts of yeah. theories within uh, science and explain them all, right? Uh, is he? Is, do you, what's your opinion? Do you think he's actually succeeded in doing that? Um, well, oh, you haven't read the book yet. So I haven't read the yeah. book yet, but um, I think I get the uh, standpoint like you. How we've got the theory of um, Big Bang theory and um, Charles Darwin evolutionary theory. Mm -hmm. The reason why we came around with these things is because every time, um, like every so often, a human has found out that things in this world don't happen because of God. Things of this world happen because science lets it happen. So over the course of time, people have seen less of a point of having God. So, um, before Galileo, there was another man which found how the, uh, solar, the solar system worked. And he was actually, because of the power, the powers that be at the time, being the, uh, I think, Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. it was kind of um, unpopular. So he was actually locked to house arrest for the rest of his life Is until that Copernicus? he died. Sounds like Copernicus, it might be. Yeah, I could it be might wrong. be. Yeah, but they um, were both uh, yeah, persecuted because of their... Uh, heathen beliefs and whatnot, yeah. And he he would say, it's there. They're out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, I get how through the uh, course of history, people didn't really think there would be a God because, well, science can explain everything now. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there's things that science can't explain. And you might go through a whole of other theories that, oh, it could be this and that. But until you have an absolute theory on it mm -hmm. meh it's not it can't it's only a theory until mm -hmm. you can completely prove it undisputably by literally everybody mm -hmm. well then well can you ever really do that undisputably prove a theory uh i feel like regardless of what evidence you you come up with to show something there will always be doubters and the, the one of the ideas i love about science is that it has no default position as soon as more data is put to the fore uh, we change our perspective on what we initially considered to be a fact. And 
I mean, oh, I definitely do believe in definitive truths. It's it's just I feel like the ability to prove something definitively um, is is an incredibly difficult thing to do, even in this day and age, you know. Um, but I do like how you're alluding to the idea that si um, with science, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this is the perspective that I have. Uh, we don't understand everything. Yeah. And the idea of saying that because we can't prove something within the science that we have now, um, that must be wrong. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. the whole idea is that it's a, it's a search to understand and uncover more and more things. So. For all we know, and this kind of like ties into the way that I look at the world, which is kind of grounded in materialism and spirituality, uh, the idea that there are definitely things outside of this world, like the idea of um, you know other other levels of reality, you know, like the spirit, you know, God, and all that kind of stuff, uh, things that we can't measure with the the instrumentation that we have that we cannot experience within this five sense reality, uh, the idea that that doesn't exist. That's that's ridiculous, you know. I I think that uh, we it's it's far more probable that we just don't have the ability to, to, to prove that stuff now. Well, it comes down to the point of um, because the human mind's so small, it mm -hmm. comes down to because we can't fathom such a something like that happening. It's mm -hmm. impossible. So we kind of have this um, boundary that because of because i can't believe that's possible it's definitely not possible exactly exactly yeah. that's such a salient point uh, i recently watched a, a movie called i origins highly recommend you uh, you check that out man uh, i might hook you up with that before you leave but there is this point where one, one of the main characters look um what, what do people say when they want to ruin like spoiler spoiler spoil everyone spoiler you know pause right now okay but one of the fascinating conversations the the main character has, who's a highly materialistic person, caught up in unless you can prove something, it's ridiculous. You're, he, he has this girl at the time that is completely immersed in the spiritual world, believes in the idea of angels and all this kind of stuff, and he's saying that she's childish and it's ridiculous to believe that there is there are other things outside that we can't observe, we can't experience within uh, the the we can't measure. You know, like unless you can prove something, it doesn't exist and. The girl uses this beautiful analogy that if you took something like a worm, and it was very relevant to the the, the, the whole story, because this guy is basically trying to uh, like ge genetically mutate worms or something like that in order to to do something or other, which is not too important. But the point is, she uses this analogy that if you took a worm that's not able to see, worms can't see, they don't actually have any eyes, but they can still sense using their, they, they basically have two senses, they can, they can touch and maybe, I'm not sure, maybe, um, I guess smell maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I presume they're the two senses. However, if we were to say, that, if that worm was to say that there is definitely no light out there, there is, there are no other senses, there is no sound, that would be completely ludicrous. It's just that for that worm to conceive of anything outside of its two-dimensional reality, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. But for us right now, that are looking at it, that are able to uh, experience all the five senses, it's very, very realistic. Now, who the hell is to say that we in the in the five sense reality, we only we have five senses, but there isn't a whole other spectrum of different senses out there that we just don't have the capacity to experience. And when you look at it from that perspective, that maybe God or that indefinable force that is able to experience the many other dimensions, uh, the many other senses out there, uh, looking at us, I mean, it... It's very clear. It's it's living in this uh, this other reality, but from our perspective, we it's hard for us to conceive yeah. of it. But there are people out there that have maybe even 
tapped into uh, another sense that allows them to to glimpse the other realities out there and it's uh, I think it's a beautiful idea the idea that there are some people that are a bit more attuned to other realities therefore the idea doesn't seem so ridiculous that there are other senses out there or other realities rather well like good like there's two good religions that kind of um, that we can use for an example mm -hmm. um, Buddhism and Hinduism they have a very um, good sense about what's out there and they God's kind of um, they're very um, interesting to look at mm -hmm. how um, they believe that so-and-so does this and that but when you look at their religions like Zen and so on and so forth mm -hmm. they're actually probably more accepting of other people's religions mm -hmm. than probably a lot of other religions like um very much so buddhism is what you call a transcendental uh, religion in the in the fact that you can be a christian buddhist you can be a, a hindu buddhist i mean basically buddhism comes from uh that part of the world anyway but the idea is that it's not as dogmatic yeah uh, there is a branch of buddhism I, i'd say the main aspect of buddhism is not about the supernatural per se it's more about the human psychology the it's more focused on the human condition trying to improve yourself and deal with the incredible dilemma that is that's that is what life. I've always liked about Buddhism because mm -hmm. it always um, I feel like it always comes back to humanistic theory it's always tr humanistic theory always trying to um, that's the word I was looking at yeah. improve, improve yourself. yourself yeah yeah that's um, I mean you call it humanistic theory I, I call it trying to be the the strongest or the best version yeah. of yourself which is uh, something Elliot House has coined uh, but I think he based that from the writings of someone else and but look it's basically trying to evolve uh, like obviously you're you're familiar with the concept of um, it's not called evolution but uh, I forget the actual phrase it'll lose my mind right now um, you know forget it but basically the idea of constantly trying to become better and better uh, uh, oh that's right entropy you, know, you know how entropy is all about destruction like con yeah. things constantly de devolving there is something called centropy the idea of so things always uh, evolving towards high levels of complexity and I think it's incumbent upon you as a human being um, to, to subscribe to humanistic theory or to, um, to to constantly change yourself to for the better and uh, it's I think it's something that's inherent within all of us I mean you mentioned that you have this tremendous thirst for knowledge I I definitely had that as well it, it's something I didn't have in my youth but over the last few years as I get older and realize how little there little time there is to achieve yeah. everything you want you you feel you feel driven to want to learn as much as you as you can do as much as you can and uh, like as much as I'm immersed in obviously certain pursuits like trying to um, become a musician uh, that obviously is successful and all that kind of stuff I want to learn as much as I can about everything yeah. there's so much stuff that is going out there and we're, we're, we're fortunate enough to be in this time where we have access to so much information and the idea of being bored to me just seems ridiculous. I mean, you mentioned uh, just a while back there that, look, uh, um, obviously you love reading. And um, I, know I was kind of asking you what you do in your spare time. And, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned that you obviously have access to the Internet. So, I mean, for someone like me that doesn't like reading, there's so many other stuff that you can do. Obviously, you've chosen to focus your time on reading. But even if you weren't reading, there's so much other stuff that you could do to be occupying your, yourself with uh, not just knowledge, but... Um, entertainment, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a it's amazing time to be alive right now. Well, like for me, um, mm -hmm. I watch a lot of anime. Okay, and, um, 
I, for me, it's um, been a bit of an eye opener, mm-hmm. like when it comes to a cultural sp- um, perspective. But with all of the anime I watch, it's a little bit more thought provoking. So, like one of my favorite anime is called um, it's a long series. It's called Mobile Suit Gundam. It's about a um, war between mm-hmm. like a few. It's like it's got a quite a few spin-off series, but um, it always comes back to ethics when it comes to war. What is right? When it comes to war, mm-hmm. and as um, war of the years has always um improved. Like in the Geneva Convention, we we say that we will not try, we'll put, we'll try not to involve civilians in it. But mm-hmm. as we pushed on, yes, we're doing that, but also there's a um kind of certain element in fact that's also kind of pushing us back it's like taking one step forward and taking two steps back yeah so like um the have drone the drones strike. right yeah. yeah it's a classic example it's... um i'm fine with drones i mean i like the way that yes they're um it's only a, what, a couple million dollars worth of equipment but you can never put a price on a human life yeah we're well, protecting you're, american lives okay. but you're also destroying, destroying like the the lives yeah. of brown people yeah, in other yeah. parts of the world and I mean, that's life as well. People often forget that life elsewhere is still yeah. life. Like, um, like I was saying before, um, one of the characters was saying, like, it's all fine because I'm all right. And one of the other characters was talking to him, so it's fine if you're happy, if you're safe, if everything in your world's perfect, but it's completely fine if that's you and there's someone out there suffering. Because one of the characters is like a child soldier yeah. during some like revolutionary war mm. in, or whatnot, and was because he's had a lot of experience in war, mm. he knows the um, horrific parts of war, and because of that kind of um, kind of experience, he has a deeper look on the world where this guy's from a first world country, the rich boy, and yeah. he's now caught up on all this mess, and. He's literally saying, you can fight, you can get your friend back, you fight to get your friend back, I'll fight all the other guys. Yeah. But let me get this straight. This guy is saying that, look, provided you are happy and you're you're right with yourself, it doesn't matter right, yeah. what is happening to anyone exactly. else. So it's a very, it's a very, it's very self-egocentric mi- yeah. kind of a mindset. Like, I live my life for myself Self, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's how a lot of us are living today. How we're thinking, oh no, we don't have a war here or anything, but like... I'm going to be very, um, kind of, like, I understand what you're saying, though. Like, I, I would agree that that definitely may not apply. Generally, we look at people that have that mindset as being, like, complete sociopaths, psychopaths that are only concerned about themselves. But having said that, I think it's very realistic to say that we tend to just expand that a little bit further and say that as long as the people in our family, as long as the people in our country are happy, it doesn't really matter what's going on elsewhere. And whereas we don't actually say that, it's implied in some so many of the things that we do. The fact that we say that, look, uh, we talk about American lives, we talk about Australian lives, when the reality is that life, all human life is sacred. And yeah. I would say all life is, all sentient life is sacred. sacred. Yeah. But we, see, we seem to make these divisions between us and them, whether it's uh, by nationalism, whether it's by um, you know, sexism, or even by speciesism, which I think is one of the most um, unspoken of uh, like issues. You know, in the world, we we obviously separate ourselves from from other sentient life out there and say that look, they're just 
their purpose is to be bred to be eaten and we don't really care about them. But the point you bring up um, that we tend to have this attitude where we don't really care so much about other people, that's something that I think is is at the seed of, well, is 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 at the heart of um, why there's so much um, suffering in the world, you know? Like, um, I'm going to be very um, quick on this topic, but mm -hmm. um, the terrorist, the um, holdup in Sydney last year, yeah. um, we all thought that we were safe, that we were on this little ball, that we'll be far away from all of that. Mm -hmm. But then, run a second, snap, you're in there. Yeah. You're not feeling safe anymore. Yeah. How um, you might be in a free country, but there's always going to be that certain type of element. Like, ever since 9-11, mm -hmm. everyone has been scared of terrorism. Terrorism has always been the thing at the back of your mind, even if you don't notice it. You, like, when you look at it, a lot of people will look at Muslims in a very different light than maybe tw uh, 50 or so years ago. Mm. They kind of feel like, oh no, he might be plotting something, he might want to kill my family or whatnot, because mm. I don't believe... But it's kind of like that, and if we don't kind of... um, It's not all these people, it's the extremists. And yeah. I feel like we always categor categorize them as part of that experience group maybe they could be part of them one day or so on so mm. well, not yeah yeah man um it's something we tend to all do like we we generalize and we look at the actions of a few and say that it's even if we don't say it i think we subconsciously somehow look at the look at them like that like we look at them as if they're a representation of the the greater whole uh, like the the muslims that have done this or a reflection of the way muslims are even uh, though islam from what i've heard is supposed to be all about peace and yeah. Um, the majority of them are completely against so many of the actions of yeah. the, uh, the the minority that are doing these extremist activities. But let me ask you this, brother: um, how do how do you resolve the problem? I mean, what what do you do in order to? I mean, it, I guess it's implied we need to stop being so egocentric and start looking at ourselves as well a, a whole, you know. But do you have any? If you were a king emperor of the uh, of the world. I've often heard this in, in various other podcasts. Like, I think Ryan Callen loved bringing up this uh, scenario. This He's another guy I listen to. Uh, he's a comedian, has a podcast. Uh, but he, he often poses this question to people. If you were the emperor king, you had complete and utter control over the entire planet, what would you do to eradicate hunger, the suffering, the, the, the terrible things that people do to each other? Well, um, like I was saying before, mm. in that um, TV show, Gundam Mom, mm -hmm. one of their theories had something in, which was introduced at the end of one of their theories um, called the Destiny Project, the Destiny Plan. Mm. Essentially, cool. it would work. It's kind of like Brave New World, but... Um, oh, I didn't get you to cover why you wanted to read that book, by the way, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah, um, first things first. <laughs> it um, says that through genetics, your dream job, your job will be this, so-and-so, and... -so, and mm. That would eliminate war, yes, but it would also eliminate the uh, thing that we all know and love of free choice. Mm -hmm. So, is it really worth giving up wars and stuff like uh, for free for the philosophical uh, dilemma? Yeah. The idea that if uh, God creates these beings that have free will, then obviously that's going to come with a choice for evil, yeah. and uh, it's it's kind of like you cannot have free will without the the negative effects of yeah. that, which are sometimes pain and destruction, that whole uh, idea. Well, I'd say, can't you still have freedom with certain parameters? I mean, I, I believe in these, what I would call axiomatic principles that are inherent within the universe, like truisms, they're dealing with morality. The idea that it is, it is wrong to violate certain things, to initiate violence in someone when it's not 
right. You know, the idea of attacking someone because you you just don't like what they said. You know, without going to specifics, what I would say is that yes, you can have the right to do anything you want, provided you were not harming anyone in the process. Like the golden golden rule. I mean, it's one of the most simple ways of looking at things. Do what you would do what you can. I mean, look in simple words. Like just do what you want to people. Uh, as you would like to do. As you would like to be done yourself. Sure. Probably could have put that a bit better. But yeah, treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself. And uh, I think it has to be within those parameters. That's kind of where my inspiration for um, mm. wanting to read um, Brave New World. Because yes, you have that mm. system. But if you don't like the system, you've got a group of people called scavengers. Oh, or yeah. savages or whatever. I read that a long time and, ago. So go on, yeah. Um, saying that, yes, you guys can have free rule, but you're out of society. Yeah. And I feel like... That's not necessarily fair mm. on them because a plan that your life is determined through your genetics is one, you're losing your free will. So if you were to lose your free will, it's kind of losing your humanity. Mm. With that free will, you've lost your humanity to an extent. But Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's the most important thing integral to being human, being free. And uh, as soon as you take away your rights for freedom, it's, it's the end of things. I mean... I recently heard the the Prime Minister of Australia talking about how we need to compromise uh, our freedom for security. And one of the, the founding fathers, I mean, one of the most classic things he's known as saying was that people that are willing to sacrifice their, their freedom for security deserve neither freedom or security. This idea that as soon as you start going down that path of, like, compromising your basic inalienable rights or the government starts saying, that, look, we've got to take away your freedoms because we've got to make the world safe, yeah. well, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. And, like, you go back to the Brave New World scenario, um, I would be one of those people that was the outsider. Yeah. If living in that society was taking away my right to do things which are absolutely my right to do, I, there is no other alternative to me. I mean, what's the point of living your life if you don't have the right to live it the way that you would want to, provided you're not harming anyone in the process? Well, like in Brave New World, it's kind of forcing you to do what you love mm. for the rest of your life. And I guess, I mean, I'd love to do what I love for the rest of my life, but there comes to a point where you get bored of those things and you want to mm. maybe expand uh, what you do. And let's say if I'm a soldier mm. and there's, well, there's no wars anymore, so what's the point of being a soldier? Mm. Oh no, you have to be a soldier just in case there's an insurrection or uprising. Like, yeah. But there isn't going to be one because you've made the system in a way that they can't be one. Mm. So if I was in that situation, I'll just be thinking, what's the point of living if I can't decide what I want to do at the end of the day. Exactly. I might as well just be dead. Yeah, and and the reality of the situation is that I would say that, for the most part in, in the world, that's how things work. I mean, people don't have the choices to uh, to go about and live their lives, or they feel, be, because of the way society is set up, they feel so compelled to, uh, uh, you know, to, to take on these nine-to-five jobs, you know, purely out of necessity, that they're not really following their heart's desire, and even though, look, at the end of the day, they're still making that it still takes away that, that freedom because you, people feel like they don't have any choices and that's one of the problems, you know. Um, I think people should never lose sight of the fact that there is never a point in time in life where you cannot make a decision to do anything that you want to do, uh, you know, obviously providing you're not killing anyone, harming anyone, but it's always your right to do what you want to do uh, with your life. But at the end of the day, you have to live with those consequences. That's true. That's true. Um, but brother, 
uh, I think we should end it here because I, um, I wanted to keep this uh, roughly uh, around 40 minutes and I think we're around the 45 minute mark which is perfect brother uh, ladies and gentlemen what do you think be sure to share your comments uh, on this podcast uh, Daniel as I mentioned is only 13 years old and every time I introduce this guy to my friends they're like whoa this is a uh, like uh, I invited my friend Sonny and uh, and Kurt to uh, to uh, Christmas, Christmas dinner yeah. and yeah they were they had some eyebrow raises man you're you're definitely a, a man amongst like I you're, you're well above your years as far as knowledge and, and maturity and it's so refreshing speaking to people like you man because a lot of people have this attitude that look you can't wisdom is something that comes with age and I I always say not really I yeah. mean it's it, generally you find that but Wisdom is more your ability to learn from your experiences. There are some people that go through life, they hit 50, 60, and they're not really learning from the experiences they had. But for someone like yourself that has immersed yourself in this stuff and you have the ability to actually learn, it's, it's so refreshing speaking to you, brother. And I, I have no doubt that people are really going to get something listening from this podcast. So, Daniel, my brother, I'm going to fist bump you right now. Thank you so much for coming down to the Crystal Journey podcast and dropping this amazing knowledge and these insights you have into the world. Uh, Daniel, if people want to get in touch with you, I know you have a Twitter. Yeah. How do people uh, get in touch with you? Because you're going to have some crazy intellectual hotties. Um, uh, hopefully under 30. Well, um, I'm messaging you. <laughs> um, well, I'm Daniel, uh, I think Daniel Fiano 2 on um, Twitter. Um, I've got a YouTube. I do quite a bit of gaming. So, um, oh, you got a YouTube game. as well? Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ballista Gaming. That's my YouTube I share with a couple friends. And... Um, yeah, that's more or less YouTube it. and Twitter. I'll be sure to put the links up on this site. And there we have it. Daniel, what, what's your surname again, sorry? Uh, Fiaw. F-I-A-W. Yeah. yeah. Everyone gets that wrong. Yeah, and you're from Ghana as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're both from the Ghana. West Africa. Yo, represent, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel Xiao in the house, this intellectual soul brother. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes and your ears out for this one. He's going to be creating some waves in the world without a doubt. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, peace out. Keep it real. Don't drive in text. This has been the Crystal Journey Podcast. Be sure to uh, to share the this uh, this podcast. Get the uh, yeah the Crystal Journey out there. The, and uh, yeah, until next time. Ow! Now you put water into a cup. That was really good, man. It becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle. It becomes the bottle. You put it in a cup. Everyone, lighten by this. <laughs> okay.